welcome everybody again to another episode of the Blue Banter Podcast, a podcast where we're striving to introduce the members of the RPCNA to the pastors of the RPCNA, and in so doing, to glean wisdom uh, for young and aspiring pastors to glean that wisdom from men with ministry experience. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Joe Smith. I'm the pastor of Westminster Reform Presbyterian Church in Westminster, Colorado. And my name is Aaron Murray, pastor of Marion Reform Presbyterian Church here in Marion, Indiana. And we have the great privilege of having Joe Allen, one of the co-pastors at Shawnee Reform Presbyterian Church, as our guest. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I got to ask you before we jump into these uh, questions proper, have you been able to experience the uh, barbecue there in uh, Kansas City? Yeah, I, I used to be a, a member of the church before I went to seminary. So this okay. was both my sending congregation and uh, now back. So okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, Oklahoma Joe's as I remember it, uh, but now just Joe's uh, is the place to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to tell you this, um, I did some pulpit supply for Shawnee while I was in seminary, um, wasn't candidating or anything like that, but I was there just doing pulpit supply. And uh, one of your members was talking about how great the barbecue there is. And, and I think I offended him because here in Indiana, you know, barbecue is just barbecue. So I've yet to experience like what real barbecue is from like Tennessee and Texas and Kansas City. So I said, you know, barbecue is barbecue. And he gave me a look and uh, I don't I don't know. I think it's uh, it, it's something that we've got to work through as brothers together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I I just remember uh, going to Memphis and and trying barbecue and being like, "Where's the sauce?" Ha, yeah, <laughs> Kansas City has the best barbecue sauces. It's just uh, hands down, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Marion is the promised land of the North, but uh, we don't uh, we don't do barbecue near as well, I think, as you guys do. But we're not here to talk about barbecue, as uh, fun as that is. We're here to talk about ministry, and so I think as we jump into this uh, first question, I think if I uh, I've heard properly. You used to be the clerk of the Midwest Presbytery, and now I think you serve as the assistant clerk. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about what a clerk does from a a presbytery perspective, why a clerk is important, and then even bringing it down into kind of the session level on why sessions also need clerks as well? Yeah. Yeah. So a a clerk is um, basically a secretary. Um, This is the the, the man who's responsible to take minutes. uh, So keeping records of uh, everything that's talked about uh, and, you know, varying degrees of detail on that, um, but responsible of, of keeping track of what what the decisions of the session have made are, are you know, those are recorded in the minutes, as well as any papers that uh, come to the, the session. The, the clerk is the one that those are to be addressed to. So in some ways, he's a gatekeeper of information. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's passing the, the correspondence that, that comes to the session to the session. Uh, and then he's uh, usually the one that also communicates from the session uh, when decisions are made or, or communications go out. So he, um, he he's a servant to the court. Uh, it's absolutely crucial. Um, you know, if the session is speaking, they're trying to speak as one. And so he's he's uh, often the one that's uh, handling that correspondence. And um, it's it's sometimes a thankless job. Um, you mentioned that I'm now assistant clerk of the presbytery. That means uh, largely my responsibility, at least in Midwest Presbytery, is that I handle review of records every year, which is largely just reviewing minutes. We used to do that um, by reviewing the books, and we still do bring the, bring the the, the physical uh, minute books in. But now we do electronic reviews and and mm-hmm. um, uh, to facilitate the the process uh, uh, going a bit speedier and and a bit more thorough. Uh, but it it is you know a lot of my interfacing with clerks, uh, you know they're 
they're doing their best to keep uh, keep good minutes. Uh, and and this is this is crucial to the uh, the work of the church um, for I'd say at least two reasons and and you know minute, minutes facilitate accountability um, uh, they they open you up to someone reviewing what you've done and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, yeah at our last uh, fall meeting um, I believe we 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 had uh, one congregation that was called out on well. The, what you said you did is, is against the law and order of the church and some specific uh, um, uh, concerns were expressed and, and there was able, you know, we were able to have follow through that, but mm-hmm. Joe, you know, did you a, fix a con- that? Sorry. Joe, did, you, did you fix that? <laughs> Joseph? Sorry. Sorry. We got two Joes here. I'm, I'm, I'm confusing everything. All right. Miss, Mr. Allen, go on. You, you're going to see like, if you've heard any of these podcasts, I often interrupt people to make stupid jokes. So I, I apologize. Yeah, you're well. You're welcome. If if uh, you're not making the stupid <laughs> jokes, I'll I'll try and step up and uh, okay. step up my game. All right, all right. But uh, yeah, so you know that accountability is crucial uh, because yeah, you know none of us is perfect. We're we're sinful men, even elders, uh, pastors. We so we need we need others uh, that are able to review what we've done and and hold us accountable to what we've agreed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also continuity. Just uh, it's great to be able to re- read back um, minutes of. Uh, your own session, you know, when when you come to a new pastorate and be able to understand what's the what's the flow of things that the, you know, that uh, officially the the session has had to respond to, and um, you know, there there's also you know because the clerk can have a lot of input into the way those things are worded, uh, you know, a a good clerk is is can be can do a lot of good. There's also a lot of danger that you know a clerk can. Uh, be too heavily relied upon at the presbytery level. I think sometimes um, the clerk can become a de facto parliamentarian. And so not only is he the one keeping the record, but he's also the one that's sometimes uh, reminding everybody what they're supposed to be doing. And that, that you know, we, we want to be cautious uh, as Presbyterians that, you know, not too much, um, too much power is put into one person. So it's a, it's a, it's a good job to, to keep an eye on, but yeah, at the, at the session level, at the presbytery level, this is a, the job of a servant of the church and you've got to have a heart to mm-hmm. to want to see want to have that accountability want to have that transparency want to have that continuity mm-hmm. yeah our, our clerks are they're like the the grease to the cogs of presbyterianism if you don't have clerks you know this machine just does not move at all so no. you say it's thankless i'll thank you now thank you for uh serving as a clerk even if it's not in uh, my presbytery so i appreciate that when, when you think about being a clerk what are some of the blessings and the challenges of uh being a clerk and you've kind of articulated a few of those already but just uh from joe allen's perspective what are some blessings and challenges you've experienced as a clerk yeah so um uh, blessings and cha- challenges when it didn't used to be this way but it is now in our presbytery that the the clerk also sits on AIC. Now I have had seasons. I did have a season where I was both clerk of Presbytery and clerk of AIC. Um, I pause you for just a second. And could you, could you explain, cause not everybody is up to date on kind of the language and the lingo. So what is an AIC? Right. I just, I just threw that out there. Didn't I? I didn't. No, I mean, we, we know what you're talking um, about, but, but you know, we yeah, have a lot of members yeah. listen to this and they may not understand what AIC is. Right. So AIC is from the Latin ad mm. commission, of course, that makes perfect sense to everyone. Mm. It really just means presbytery <laughs> when presbytery is not meeting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, well, what what happens if you have something that comes up between meetings? What how do you handle that? And so, what it means is we we have a commission, and a commission differs from a committee, and that a commission has the same authority as the as the body that formed it. Uh, they're not just doing work and reporting back; they're actually 
acting as presbytery. So a commission of presbytery uh, that operates between meetings. And so they would be able to handle things like uh, if there's a call made to a, a pastor from a congregation, uh, you're not going to wait, you know, say three or four months until mm-hmm. the next presbytery meeting to get presbytery as a whole to look at that call and approve it. Uh, AIC is going to handle that um, largely over email or through the mail system, uh, processing that call, passing it on to the presbytery. Uh, so yeah, one of the benefits of being a, a clerk um, is that you get a front row seat. You know, you get to you get to see what's going on in the denomination, and sometimes that can be a great encouragement uh, when, say, things are not going well locally. You can be encouraged that Christ Christ is doing His work in other congregations, and you're part of something bigger than just yourself. So you know that that's a that's that can be a real benefit. Well, challenges though, you know, it it, it uh, has its seasons of being really labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, some, uh, you know, especially if you're getting up. We used to, as a presbytery, only have one meeting a year. That was our fall meeting. Uh, we also met during synod, uh, but uh, but because we were doing so much business just in that one meeting, uh, there was a lot of planning and a lot of um, getting the agenda correct and getting, um, making sure that all the, the details were, were processed and helping with registration for whichever host congregation is doing that work. So, so, it, you know, it has, has seasons that are heavier and that can distract you from what you're trying to do locally. Um, especially, uh, when I was in my first pastorate was a solo pastorate in Wichita and, uh, it got to be where it was, it was just too burdensome. Things were, things were heavy in Wichita as well. So I, that's why I had to step back. I, you know, from being the clerk, I went to being assistant clerk and we, uh, Andrew Barnes is now the clerk and that, that that's been a good uh, transition, but that, yeah, there's, there's times and seasons where, uh, it can be a, a lot of work and mm-hmm. that's, uh, but it's good. It's good for the life of the church for the reasons I've already mentioned. Well, I, I had in, in, didn't prompt you on this or anything, but just if anything comes to mind, what are just for guys who may be listening, who are clerks at the session level, um, is, is there any tools or tips from the trade as far as clerking minute taking anything like that? You've just learned over the years of this that have helped you become more efficient, more precise, or, or what are some of the things maybe you've seen other congregations do as you're reviewing minutes where you're like, You've learned from that. You said, "Oh, that's a helpful way to do it," or something like that. Any, any, anything that immediately pops to mind as far as tools or tips to hand out for, for clerking in presbytery. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would be an expert at this, but I will say that uh, you know, just just reading a lot of minutes, trying to get into uh, you know some study of how different uh, uh, congregations do it, and this is an opportunity that. Uh, we we spread around. So we we like I said, as assistant clerk, I'm responsible for minute reviews. So I've been uh, part of the process, and soon I'll be distributing out minutes that have been submitted to me for uh, two elders throughout the the presbytery for them to review. So making use of those times and seeing how do other men do it, uh, and uh, reading minutes of synod. Uh, you know, John John McFarland is the best clerk I know. <laughs> uh, uh, he's just a a machine at uh, his uh, his ability to be efficient and uh, also concise. Uh, so I think um, you know being being uh, as with so many things, having a humble uh, attitude and being ready to learn uh, from others. Uh, you know, I I, I find that uh, there's kind of a sweet spot and as far as how much information you keep in the record, uh, you can really put in too much. That's just you know maybe it's uh, it's. Uh, unhelpful because it it catches you know in uh, a meeting that 
maybe as a snapshot of an issue um, and maybe it resolves the next day. And if, if it's, if you've got that in your permanent record, it's, it's uh, you know, so you, you want to get, what are the, and what's been good advice to me is to capture the actions. What are the official actions that the, the, the session has taken? Not necessarily every conversation we had. Mm -hmm. uh, if we didn't act, I don't know that we need a record of that. Um, we want to, we want to be men of action and, um, and let our actions be those things that um, this describe what we're, what we're doing and, and ultimately are the things that are going to be judged. Um, so yeah. Sure. No, that's, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Yeah. Aaron mentioned um, kind of at the beginning there that you are now uh, you, and you mentioned you originally served in Wichita in a solo pastorate, and now you're in Shawnee in a co-pastorate. And so anytime, you know, the RP is not a big denomination and we don't have very many large congregations. So anytime we get the chance to have a man on, uh, who is working in a team ministry context, we just like to ask them about their thoughts on that, experiences in that. And so just what what are, and uh, is it two two years you've been at Shawnee now? I believe so, yeah. It, okay, it, so so just in that quick. time of, yeah, no doubt, in, in that time of uh, transition, what are what are some of the unique aspects of, of team ministry uh, as you've been a man who's served in both? It's not as if you just went in, to team ministry straight out of uh, out of seminary, and and so what are what are some of the unique aspects and blessings and challenges of that uh, that you've come to learn, and that even men who are aspiring to be pastors or who are in seminary now and maybe weighing a call to a team ministry context and a solo ministry context, what are just some things they can consider? Yeah, well, one thing I'll I'll say maybe right off the bat is that team ministry should be part of every session you know sure. jesus mm -hmm. sent out his disciples two by two uh titus uh titus 1 5 was directed by paul to appoint elders plural in every town and so even if you're the solo pastorate um i know we sometimes use that language but um you've you've got other men that god has uh, called to serve alongside of you and you need to really be treating that as a team ministry and, and i'd say that maybe as a as recognizing a fault of my my own, uh, sometimes uh, I think a weakness of the ministry in Wichita is that um, for for various reasons, uh, our we had uh, one ruling elder that was there the whole time, uh, or well from early on that I, that was with us, and then we had another ruling elder for a time. And the one of the weaknesses was that uh, I think the ministry was looked a little bit too much like Joe, <laughs> mm. uh, and not enough like a team working together. Uh, at uh, at uh, leading the church, and, and I, I say that as a, out of conviction that um, that the church is not built on any one man, unless we're talking about the one man Jesus Christ, because uh, the way the way that we show uh, our humility, we we show that we're following Him, is by recognizing I can't I can't lead a church by myself. I can't step into the shoes of Jesus Christ, and so um, I, I do think that 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 should be in every context and, and Christ gives gifts to his church. You know, that's, that's one of the gifts that he gives uh, there uh, listed in Ephesians, um, you know, shepherd teachers being one of them. Uh, that's, that's necessary for uh, a church being organized. You know, I already mentioned Titus one five. Uh, so that I'd say 
you know, maybe, maybe, you know, one of the, the biggest differences has been, you know, there's a very big team uh, here at Shawnee comparatively. Uh, we have five ruling elders. And then at the same time, I was called Derek Moore was called uh, as, as a pastor. And so, yeah, we have uh, a session of seven, whereas in, in Wichita, I'd have with provisionals, uh, sometimes a session of uh, four, uh, including myself, but often locally, it was me and one, uh, maybe two uh, other men. And so there's a lot more uh, going on here as far as uh, when you have that many men, you, you know, you have the benefit of more manpower. You can uh, spread the work across uh, all of our shoulders. Um, you have a multitude of counselors, you know, Proverbs eleven fourteen. that's, that's a conviction we have to have is that uh, with the abundance of counselors, a city, there's safety um, where there's no guidance of people falls. Uh, so uh, recognizing that I, I need to be, um, I need to be listening to, uh, and, and, and leading in accord with the leadership of all of us. And, and part, part of, because of that conviction that Jesus is the one that needs to be in the driver's seat. And he does that leadership through, uh, through multiple men who are insufficient in themselves. Um, so, um, uh, there, uh, you know, given given that there's you know that much that many more team members of the of the leadership here, there's much more opportunity to to share in the share the ministry uh, to to focus on particular aspects of ministry. Uh, in Wichita, I wore so many hats. Uh, I was like Bartholomew Cubbins, uh, you know, from Dr. Seuss. Uh, now I can uh, be somewhat selective of which hats uh, are appropriate to me. And in fact, that was one of the things that I tried to do when I first came here was not to take every responsibility that I could on myself, but really try to just see how how are things functioning now? Uh, how does this church operate? And where are the things that need uh, assistance, need uh, leadership or help, and uh, be able to slowly take on those responsibilities to make sure that I'm I'm doing those in ways that are complementing what Christ is already doing here. Uh, so that's been that's been a a real blessing to um uh to to part of it um yeah blessings uh, would include there's a lot of stability um here uh you know having um uh, having families uh elders that have been elders for a long time uh, know uh, know how to do what they're doing have have been very practiced and have had the time to build very deep relationships um with with others and you know that's a that's a great blessing and uh, very thankful for that um uh, another you know great blessing that God had in, in joining this particular team at, when I did was that God called Derek here at the same time, and uh, uh, everybody should have a Derek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although don't don't take my Derek. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, uh, God God was just so kind uh, in that you know coming coming out of where things were in Wichita, uh, the congregation there ultimately closed, and that was that was really a hard time for me in ministry. And we had, we had several times several hard times in in Wichita. Um, and I think God used that to humble me and, and maybe expose me to a number of my weaknesses that, uh, that, you know, there were things that I'm, I'm just not good at. And, and that's, that's hard to, hard to come to the realization of, but, uh, God in bringing me here to Shawnee and calling Derek at the same time has in so many ways shown the very places where I've identified my own weaknesses or I'm some of them I'm not even fully aware of as I probably should be. Uh, Derek has strengths in those areas. And uh, it has been, you know, and it's not like um, 
Derek and I even knew each other that well before we were both called here. And I don't, I don't know how well the congregation even knew how well we would fit together. Uh, but that has been a, just such a blessing of, of seeing, you know, again, Christ's sufficiency, uh, that, that, um, there are things that I'm not the best at, but the beauty of what God is doing is that I don't have to be the best at everything. Um, God can bring other men and be glorified in those men serving in ways that I cannot. And that's a good thing that gives that, that shows the sufficiency of Christ that shows his care for his bride, that he gifts differently and gives uh, multiple, you know, different gifts gives, um, you know, this description of the the body of Christ as different body parts that you know, we have different um, different ways that we serve in different different uh, f- um, particular ways that we're we're we can be a blessing. That's just become so much more apparent to me, and I, I just I'm very thankful for that as a, a blessing coming into to uh, the ministry here at Shawnee this this larger team ministry than what we had before. Mm-hmm. You know, a challenge is that uh, every every church does have sinners. Uh, you know, elders and, and pastors we're, we're we're sinners as well. Um, and more men on session can mean that that there's more opportunity for differences of opinion. Uh, and uh, 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 and and you know, I mentioned already that the ble- there there is blessing and stability, but there's that also means sometimes if if there is change that you perceive needs to happen it can take more time to affect that change, um, especially if you're trying to change church culture uh, because people, um, you know, if, you, if, if the established patterns are there, it's easy to to just continue in those ways um, and not, not maybe even perceive that there's a need or a way that things could be done differently. And so um, the, because of that, that means that there's, it takes more time to pers- persuade. And I do believe that we are to be leading by, uh, by the word, by persuading, by appealing to men's uh, uh, reason, and not just, you know, dominating with, uh, with uh, appeals to authority. We we need to um, uh, let our reasonableness be known to all. Uh, we need to be be persuaded by our elders, and that I think includes um, taking time as a session to argue things out and and um, and come to consensus on how we lead together. Uh, but yeah, that takes that takes more time with the more men you have, um, and it means you need to be um, be willing to be patient uh, if there's something that needs to happen. Uh, be be willing to to persevere in it. Um, and I I remember uh, when I was in the solo pastorate down in Wichita, I I made friends uh, with a guy from the Evangelical Free Church there, large Evangelical Free Church, um, Josh Black, um, and he would talk about you know dynamics of him operating on his session. And he, you know, he's, he's a senior pastor and he's got another pastor and another pastor and another pastor that are on staff with him. And, um, you know, he was just talking about some of the things that, that, that would take so long for him to, to address. And I was just think, boy, you know, it's not really hard. You just, <laughs> you just, you just take action. Right. And I, I've come to realize that, you know, there's, there's something that's, you know, it's good to have the, the stability and the, you know, not to be as reactionary as you can be if you're if you're in a solo pastorate. If you have more of established leadership and um, um, ways that things are are going well, it 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 can be a blessing and a curse. But it's there. There is a lot of blessing there that I I don't think I saw uh, from the outside, and that's it's been really great to be a part of uh, coming to Shawnee uh, to to be a part of that.
Sure. Yeah. No, I, I thank you for pointing out that, uh, in fact, every Presbyterian church involves team ministry. Um, as far as, as far as though having a, another full-time laborer in word, prayer, doctrine there on site with you and guys who may be thinking about that coming out, could you, some of the, some of the unique things that the teaching elder does and what that looks like at a, in a, you know, team ministry for lack of better wordage here. Um, like, so just as far as like moderating on session, as far as uh, splitting up the preaching and teaching, uh, the administration of the sacraments, you know, maybe the blessings of having having someone else in the building that you could walk down the hallway and talk to versus having to send an email or just some of those maybe unique things of, of an opportunity with another full-time laborer there along with you. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, I guess having been here two years, it's, it's, it's very easy to forget just how, how many of those blessings are, are there uh, being able to, um, you know, one interact with someone who has the same, uh, some sem- seminary education uh, is mm-hmm. doing mo- largely the same things as far as exegesis and, and, uh, preparing s- sermon prep that, that is, that has been, uh, very, uh, valuable to me in that, um, I, I feel I have a lot that I can learn from Derek and that's been a, a blessing, uh, to, um, to, to have someone that I, I respect and, uh, he thinks differently than I do. Um, he's very, very different than I am. And sometimes having that diversity of opinion, it gives opportunity to maybe expose some of the preconceptions that I've brought to, to issues, uh, and help me to, to really dive a bit deeper into, well, what does the word of God really command. Oh, and, and one, I, I don't know why I didn't even already mention this is, is that it, what a blessing it is to be able to sit under the word. And I, I say that, uh, recognizing, uh, so many of our men and pastorates, I, I think both of you, so many that, uh, men, uh, in the ministry that are listening to this don't have that as a regular benefit. And I, I, I almost hate to say it because it, it, it sounds like gloating, but I, 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 I'm only saying that God is, really blessed me and I can sit in a worship service every week and have someone feed the word of God to me. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's it means so much. Yeah. That was, that was, that was one of the great blessings. I think Aaron and I have both and and other brothers that graduated recently have just talked about missing uh, when we were at seminary, you know, I mean, getting to go to chapel uh, so much and it is nice. And that's, you know, I, I love whenever we go on vacation, I love coming back almost always on a Saturday and, and getting to worship with the congregation that I get to serve and sit under preaching together with them. It is just a, a wonderful blessing that that you're right, that so many of us um, can miss out on. And I remember <laughs> I remember my pastor telling me one time, I think it was, uh, I don't remember when David Hansen told me this, but, you know, he's just talking about doing presbytery exams and talking about how oftentimes it can be most nerve wracking to preach in front of elders. But oftentimes the elders, they're they're sitting there enjoying. I mean, yes, they're mm-hmm. having to evaluate you, but they're also enjoying that. That's one of the few times a year, you know, that they may actually get to get preached to. Um, and so it is it is a wonderful blessing. And it's it's great to hear brothers soaking that up and and uh, appreciating that and seeing seeing the blessing that it is 
So just one other thing, like, you know, how, how do you guys rotate administration of the Lord's Supper? Baptism, yeah, yeah. Other I, little practical let things Let me get like to that. that. Yeah, you asked, yeah. you asked about that too. Um, yeah, so we, we, um, uh, uh, we rotate or we alternate uh, who preaches. Um, uh, so right now, uh, Derek's in the mornings, I'm in the evenings, and uh, we do that for about four months and then we'll swap. Uh, uh, Derek will move to evenings, I'll move to mornings. Uh, and we do that uh, in some ways to, you know, keep both of us before the congregation. We we don't want to uh, favor one or the other. Uh, we don't want, um, um, I think our session has set that as a directive to, and I think that's that's a good one to to make sure that we're, we're giving equal access to both pastors um, uh, to the congregation. Uh, and as far as administration of the sacraments, yeah, we're, we're also kind of alternating that it's, it's some, sometimes a, a bit of a, a judgment call. If, um, if a family's, uh, uh, having a baptism of a child and they're on one of the elders shepherding lists, it, it just makes sense to naturally have that, uh, pastor perform, perform the baptism. Uh, and, um, so we, we can be more consistent on how we alternate the Lord's Supper versus uh, baptisms, but we, we try to be, uh, uh, um, you know, equally divvy those up as well. Uh, we want to, you know, God is, God has been pleased to bring both of us here, Christ giving both of us his gifts. And we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're uh, exercising both of those gifts um, uh, equally. Uh, Derek moderates the session and that's, uh, um, you know, I think he's doing a, a great job. Um, you know, I, I, um, uh, that's one of those things. I, I don't think I'm as good <laughs> as, as good at that. Uh, and uh, I was glad to let him uh, let him be the one who has to handle everyone else. Uh, uh, and that way he can, he can handle me <laughs> when I want to speak up at session <laughs> meetings. Uh, that was uh, though a bit of uh, counsel that was, I was given, you know, when I was considering the call, I'm trying to remember which uh, to, to um, I guess it was Keith McGill and, was it Harry Metzger? I can't, I can't remember. It was two pastors that were on the same session and kind of their takeaway was that whoever was moderating was, didn't feel like he was able to express himself uh, during the session meetings. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that I've tried to be my, be mindful of is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're both members of session and we, we need to have input on things and, and, um, uh, and I've been thankful that, you know, what's weird about uh, about um, God calling both Derek and I here is that we're, we're I mentioned already, we're very different men. Uh, he's he's more introverted than I am. You know, he's just got different uh, personality. He's kind of bent more towards studying deeply, thinking deeply. Maybe that, that's a, I don't think as deeply as Derek. Hmm. Uh, just are just they're just different. Uh, and I remember when we were both called here, we before we. I think it even necessarily given our acceptance, we were both at Synod at the same time. I remember just peeking across the room, every vote almost, we were voting on the opposite side <laughs> of things. And, and, you know, you, I mean, don't take, make too much of that. I mean, we're in a small denomination. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, you know, the, the farthest two RPs can get from each other is still really, really close, mm -hmm. but that's, that's been, you know, I think it's it's been interesting that God in calling us both here, the strength that that actually gives is that we in, you know, even just he and I talking through issues, maybe in preparation for a, a meeting of session, um, 
we can get a bit of the diversity of ways that people could see this, even just between the two of us. And that gives us opportunity to to really make sure that we're understanding the other side and not just talking past one another. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I think we were both, you know, we were both called here right after 2020 and the COVID everything and everybody was disagreeing about, every, you know, if there's a time that as a nation, people are divided the most. Mm-hmm. It, it's been helpful to be close to someone that does see things differently to sometimes call into question your own biases and, and really challenge you. You know, I, I think what that helped me to, you know, as a goal coming and working alongside Derek was that I wanted to get where I would understand his argument well enough to defend it for him if he wasn't there, but also to, to tell him why he's wrong because I'm, I'm still me, <laughs> but it's actually gotten to where I've grown so much, you know, I, 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 I think, and I think he would say so too. We, we've had this effect on each other where I think we really have been sharpened and, mm-hmm. and maybe sharpened in some ways, but also rough edges have been, have mm-hmm. been removed in ways that have been good for both of us. So I'm, I'm, th- I'm thankful, uh, you know, so much for, for that, that team aspect that, that man, um, you know, man on man ministry that, you know, Jesus sending him out two by two, this is, this is what's supposed to happen uh, as we as we work alongside each other in the in the gospel harvest. Sure, that's great. And and just one last thing, super quick on this. Um, and this, Aaron and I, Aaron already mentioned it. We both had the opportunity to uh, do uh, pulpit supply there at Shawnee and just hearing from the session and uh, the you know and and say this how you want, and it may just be a distinction of words or there may be a a little bit of a philosophical difference here but if if i'm remembering right shawnee is explicit in the fact that that they call kind of you and derek a co-pastorate versus what other congregations may be more familiar with a senior and associate and so is there a difference there is there not just briefly touch on what that because shawnee is the only one i've ever heard use that language and so Others may be interested in, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. And I, I would say that the language is intentional. Um, I rem- So my mother is part of, was part of the OPC uh, when I was accepting the call here. And she said, Joe, you know, I, I talked to my pastor and he says he doesn't think this is going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, my, 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 my sweet mother. Uh, but yeah, it's different than uh, I think a lot of um pastorates are set up uh, where you have kind of a pastoral staff the you know, kind of the lead pastor or the senior pastor, and then others that have maybe more of a, a focus like, you know, pastoral or, you know, the pastor of family ministries or the youth pastor, you know, that there's different ways. Uh, maybe I'm just remembering more of the terms that my friend from the E-Free would use. Uh, in the RP church, you know, we have what often just two pastors. So yes, yeah, a senior pastor and associate pastor. Um, and so I think Shawnee and, and making their call were intentional, intentionally and not using that language. And, and, and I'd say that that's in part because there's a, there's a, there's an emphasis on the two office view. Um, elders are elders. Uh, so when Derek and I were brought in, there was concern that neither of us be lifted above the other. And, you know, and, uh, in fact, uh, there was not any, real clear delineation of responsibility in our calls, except direction from the, the session that we would preach roughly equally. Um, so you might call it 
egalitarian you know, we try to think of what what's the, what's the type type of word to describe the way that they're viewing pastoring and pastoral ministry mm-hmm. um but it's it's basically saying that it's expecting that Derek and I you know will will be able to be equally good at everything which again from what i've already said you know Derek, Derek and I's differences have not exactly fit that mold uh, which means that we we have in some things have to sort it out ourselves and some 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 you know just naturally um, uh, resolves itself. We we decided early on Derek would respond to emails and I would be the one to answer the phone. <laughs> you know some of, some of those things are natural divisions of responsibility. Um, um, and I, I already mentioned that, you know I was glad for Derek to moderate the session meetings. Um, but you know some of that is not explicit in the call. It's just things that we've identified about ourselves over time. And, um, yeah, so this is a, you know, I, I think in hindsight, I do think it, it is good to, uh, identify areas of responsibility and that way you don't have, you know, confusion about who's responsible for something. And it doesn't make sense to have two people responsible for everything because you're, you're limiting, you know, the ability of us to specialize, the ability of us to, uh, to dedicate ourselves to, you know, maybe, maybe areas that we're we might be we be good at or better at, but you know I I also can see the you know the caution that you know you don't want uh, you don't want it to become uh, uh, a point of division or a point of uh, favoritism. Uh, so I think there's there's just been some real caution uh, in, in against that and in trying to keep things as equal as possible. And I, I think in in some ways it's, it's that's been that's been uh, good so far uh, for, for Derek and I, uh, even though it, it does lead to some questions of well, who, do, who does, who does this, you know, who does that? We mm-hmm. kind of figure that out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you and Derek certainly have modeled the parity and plurality of, you know, teaching elders and things. Um, so I think you're, you guys are doing a service to the denomination to kind of show what things could look like. Cause I think in, in some ways you're trailblazing kind of this new philosophy of, you know, co-pastor at ministry and all that. So it's been, it's been fun to hear um, how things are going. I, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit offline. We had uh, a couple of members from your congregation um, stay with us over the weekend as they were getting their daughter set up at one of the local colleges here. And I just asked how things were going with the, uh, with you guys and like, Oh, we just love our pastors. We just love our pastors. Um, so it, it was good to hear that from, uh, you know, members of the congregation and then kind of hearing uh, more firsthand from you. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to transition now into kind of a preaching question, and uh, it's going to be a little bit different than how we normally ask uh, the preaching questions, though we'll flow into some of those uh, perennial questions that we ask. Um, you are a fan of uh, the Simeon Trust uh, ministry, um, so I wonder if you could kind of tell us uh, what that is, um, why you like it, and why other pastors ought to consider being a part of uh, Simeon Trust. Yeah, so... Um... It's named after Charles Simeon, um, and I don't actually know that much about him. Although Gordon Ketty quoted him this morning uh, in the Prayers of the Bible, so mm-hmm. he must be, he must well, be good. I've, I've got one of his commentaries; they're they're great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the the organization though is one that uh, wants to help Christians and especially pastors to get better at faithfully reading and teaching God's word. Uh, so their their goal is making sure that you're doing sound exegesis. Their workshops are not only teaching how do you do it, but also get your hands wet, you know, get, 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 get into a text, um, discuss it together. So you, you have to prepare before you come, you present your work. And so there's immediate feedback, immediate Mm -hmm. accountability. 
and uh, and it's it's geared towards understanding God's word and uh, getting better, improving your proficiency at uh, understanding it and communicating it to God's God's people. Um, yeah, why I'm why I'm a fan? Well, you know the you you had me at God's word. You know it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's the biggest selling point is that uh, these are men that that share our our awe and uh, care with the scriptures. And so that's been, so I, I heard about it from Josh Black. I've already mentioned him, pastor of the E-Free Church in Wichita. He, he, I don't know how he got my contact info, but he invited me out of the blue. And basically I just kept coming back because um, the, the analogy they've used is it's like spring training mm-hmm. uh, where you go, you go back. I'm, I don't play sports. <laughs> I'm, it's probably dangerous for me to use sports analogies. <laughs> this was their analogy though. So uh-huh, I'm using uh-huh, it. And that's uh-huh. that, uh, you know, spring training, you go back to the basics. You, uh, you make sure that you're, you're not cutting corners or being sloppy anymore. You, you, you get back to, uh, this is, this is, uh, you know, the form that you're trying to, to get yourself conformed to. And, uh, and that's what I found helpful is that, uh, even going through seminary, I can get through a year's work of actually being in the study and preparing sermons and having, you know, funerals and, and, uh, counseling emergencies that come up. And, and I, I can get to where I've got what's working, but I need to be reminded of, Hey, l- you know, let me show this to, to, you know, to, uh, men who are doing the same thing and get, uh, feedback, get, uh, get, uh, you know, that, that accountability I mentioned through minutes, this is, this is like that same accountability uh, with men who are also those that are exegeting God's word mm-hmm. and uh, want to be faithful. And uh, so it, it, it sharpens me and, and I come away because they format each workshop to study through a book of the Bible. I come away with, I want to preach this, mm-hmm. you know, like this part of God's mm-hmm. word is just so powerful because I've just studied through it. And not only have I prepared and, and uh, not only have I had been had instruction on how you do it, but uh, also a big part of their workshops or a third part of their workshops is we sit under preaching. We, we hear uh, messages from uh, that same section of God's word. So I, I come, I come away from those just so thankful for, for the power of God's word. Uh, and, and I think that's why, I like the organization is that because it's focuses on the Bible, uh, it has a great potential to strengthen, uh, Protestantism. You know, there, there is this, this has a draw for many people that are outside of our, uh, our tradition. Uh, and yet they're getting taught the same principles of, of, of exegesis that we were taught in seminary. And so I find even if we're in these different, um, these different theological camps, um, uh, if we, if we can come back to the word of God, there's hope, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's hope for reformation the, you know, the first mark of the church is the preaching of the word. And so that's, that's, what's kept me, uh, not only coming back, but I've, I've, I've been a small group instructor, uh, now, um, in one or two contexts uh, with them, uh, or, or similar groups uh, like it. Um, and so, I, uh, you know, uh, April 10th through 12th, uh, I'll, I'll be going to uh, Mill Creek Community Church, which is actually right here in Shawnee. They just they just last year started a, a workshop here. Uh, Brad Johnston was coming down to Wichita for the one there when, when he was there, and now he's coming here. Um, there's still room. I've got other couches. <laughs> if anybody else wants to come uh, to a Simeon Trust workshop, uh, I've really... I really would commend them to you, uh, you know, not necessarily to say that you're going to be learning new things, but to really challenge you, are you being faithful mm-hmm. in your word work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, 
and 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 again the benefit direct benefit is you come away with this is a section of god's word that i really know and and actually you know just to you know <laughs> uh full disclosure uh i was going to the Simeon trust workshop every year down in wichita and i would end up preaching whatever that book was we studied i would preach it and uh sometimes it would fill up the entire next year just mm-hmm. just getting through that book so exodus mm-hmm. took a year revelation took a year uh and it was it was so good actually i don't think we did revelation at simeon trust yet but anyway you know um ecclesiastes uh came out of uh, me studying that at uh simeon trust uh right now i'm going through second timothy in the evenings uh, here at shawnee and that was one that we we did most recently at simeon trust mm-hmm. and and i find that i my confidence uh in god's word is 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 just greatly helped uh because we just spend so much time in it together uh, that I, I really would commend it to to others that do do that word work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, while I was uh, interning at uh, Second RP, I went to two Simeon Trust kind of conference meetings. Um, and, and you're right, there is a certain level of Protestant ecumenicism that takes place there. And, and even uh, you might even scope that in a little bit to say it's primarily reformed ecumenicism that takes place. Um, though I think we were the only, we were like the token Presbyterians. So I was like, Oh, we got some Presbyterians here. It's like, yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. And, and, uh, it, what you were saying about the workshops actually being, you know, workshops, it's not like you come and you listen to some guy, you know, chat away about a particular topic. It's you know, you have homework and, you know, you're kind of bouncing off your, basically your sermon preparation, what that looks like, how you got to, to where you were, you're kind of showing your work. Um, and then there's kind of feedback and evaluation, um, which uh, is really good. It's, um, you know, you get that a lot as a student coming up through a presbytery, um, but kind of once you get into the ministry, yeah, you've got people who kind of nitpick a little bit, um, but just hearing other pastors and how they uh, hear things like we were going through Revelation. It's funny that you say, you know, you, you kind of go through Simeon Trust and then whatever book of the Bible that they're going through, you end up going through. Because we went through, uh, we did go through Revelation, and then like every church in the Indianapolis area was going through Revelation at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was this was right at uh, 2020, so I think right before COVID really made its way over to the states. And uh, I forget which chapter of Revelation it was, but I said something like, you know, maybe you know, COVID is a judgment from God. And one guy's like, ah, you're a dispensationalist. I'm like, oh, wow, it's been a while since I've been accused of uh, dispensationalism. Okay. Uh, so it kind of helps you to kind of think through like, um, you know, are you actually being faithful to the tech, which I think I was. But, you know, anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Simeon Trust is a, is a good organization uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, kind of leading into the preaching and everything, this is what Simeon Trust is. It's a preaching conference. Uh, what is Joe Allen's philosophy of preaching? Um, you know, when you think about preaching, what are you trying to accomplish? Um what uh you know what type of people are you trying to talk to are you more um expositional are you more historical grammatical method are you more experiential um and then maybe what does your normal weekly preparation look like and then what do you bring into the pulpit with you so it's a whole host of questions that i'm just chucking at you so answer it how you see fit yeah i will answer each one of your questions in uh, perfect detail okay um, good so uh yeah philosophy of preaching um yeah my my goal is that I, I want to, um, I want to speak to God's people, his word. And so, uh, my, my goal is to, um, is to communicate, um, not only what did the word of God mean to its original hearers, you know, the original audience, but I want to see how that, that word in 
in its place in the whole of the scriptures, which point to Jesus Christ, which, uh, which, you know, uh, all the, all the scriptures speak of him. Um, I want to, to find how it, it is in accord with, um, the, the fullness of revelation that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to bring it to bear on the lives of the people that are sitting in the pew and also the people that aren't yet sitting in the pew. I want to preach, uh, that, that those that, you know, there are sermons that others that are around us need to hear. I want to be thinking of what what are what what will they need to hear when they come? You know, preach uh, preach for those um, that that you desire to have uh, there um, in addition to the people that are there. Um, so uh, what that means for me though uh, is that I'm I'm largely just preaching through books of the Bible. Um, um, this is out of the conviction that I do. No, I have my own blind spots and I have my own hobby horses. So I want the Holy Spirit to be in the driver's seat. Um, uh, don't like the next sermon texts. Take that up with God. Uh, he knows better than 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 all of us. Uh, so let's be faithful. Let's just work our way through books of the Bible. Now I do. I do. Right. Right now I'm, and I've never never had this uh, ability to do when I, when I was in the the solo pastorate. Uh, but I I have some ability to get my head far enough above water to be looking down the road. I'm trying to make a year's plan of preaching, which I, I was never able to do before. And I, I am putting some thought into which books uh, are going to get preached um, um, and assessing the needs of the congregation, but understanding that each of the texts that we're going to get to is going to have its proper context with it because I've been preaching through. And that's going to, again, it's going to restrain me from uh, from maybe twisting something to a, a an effect that uh, I might be trying to conjure up and keep things as a what does the spirit intend to do in this body, uh, and I'll 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 be presenting that to the elders. So again, that's a t- part of the team ministry. Is I want to I want to have, um, you know, have have their input and uh, and help in in crafting what what does the long term preaching look like. Um, so um, so I I do focus on preaching the text. Um. Uh, uh, if the Bible is a tree, each passage is a trunk or branch or stick of that tree, then I want to view my sermon as a tree house that's built on that, that branch, on, on that part of the tree. Uh, and so I want to build sermons which have clear support from the particular branches, the particular sermon texts that I'm, that I'm reading and preaching that morning, uh, such that people would see that the structural integrity of what I'm telling them comes from the tree itself. Uh, that they they would see this is this is a sound treehouse. I, I can I can get in there. It's going to hold my weight. And then I tell them about the view from up there. I tell them about what what you find living in the tree, and I invite them to come come live in God's word with me. Come come live in light of what this says uh, for yourself. Uh, so what that the intention then is is that they're not just hearing good theology as if it's coming from me. They're hearing thus says the Lord. This is this passage is what tells you that you need to do this. You, you This needs to affect your heart. This needs to affect uh, your attitudes. This needs to affect your action. This needs to um, change uh, the way that you go about things, uh, the way that the church is to be, to be uh, run, the way that uh, Christianity, we, we should see these things, uh, is that, that 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 should come out directly out of the word of God as much as I can uh, so that it comes with the authority of, of, of God himself. And this, you know, like I said, it means I need to pay attention to the to the original meaning of the text, um, or original audience, 
to them then how how to understand it in light of Christ, and then only then once I've understood those things, how it should apply to us now. Um, and um, so I need to I need to do careful word work. But another part of it that I think was something that I I didn't I I don't know if I missed it in seminary. Uh, there's exegeting the texts, but there's also exegeting the congregation, and that you need to know the people that you're preaching to well enough to know what are they actually struggling with? What are the things that are causing them to doubt or causing them to, uh, to rely on something other than God's word and, and to be able to speak to them in a way that's understanding and applying um, not just what do American Christians need to hear, but what do you need to hear? Uh, Cause it, you know, it, it's very easy to preach against the church down the street um, it's, it's much harder to preach to the people that are in your, in the pews and, and you interact with, uh, but that's, that's the calling is I'm, I'm called to preach to this congregation. And, and I, I'll admit that's something that I've, I'm, you know, I'm growing in these things, even as, as I try to articulate them here on the podcast, but I, I, I want to be growing in proficiency in these things. Um, those are, those are my, what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. um, thoughts. Yeah, I think the uh, you talk about the, the tree trunk and just having that biblical theology foundation in our preaching is so helpful. Like, why are you know where is this story in the the story of redemption or the branch on the trunk of redemption, as as you put it? I think that's really really helpful, really really important. Um, when you go up to the pulpit, you know you're you know trembling and shaking like uh, many of us do as we're walking up to the pulpit. Uh, what do you bring with you? Um, are you a manuscript guy? Are you no notes, minimal notes, kind of bullet point fella? Um, what do you bring with you when you go up to the pulpit? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I so so early on in my ministry, you know, you you get trained and and how to do things. You know, I mentioned you know you know semin- I could mention seminary internships, mm-hmm. Simeon Trust, all these influences. Uh, one of the big influences on me has been some really harsh criticism that I got <laughs> very early on in my hmm. ministry, and uh, you know, I I I think they're at the time, um, I, you know, I, I was a very tender hearted guy. Um, I wanted to preach God's word faithfully and they were saying I hadn't. Hmm. And, and I wanted to be much more cautious then about what I was going to say in the pulpit. Um, so I, I got into the habit and I still am of, of every week I'll, I'll write an entire manuscript of every word I'm going to say, in part because I want to have thought through it. Um, got a lot more time in, in the study to think through how I word things than I do in the pulpit. So I, I probably give, you know, uh, two two or three minutes of thought to every one minute I'm in, in the pulpit. Maybe, maybe I, you know, maybe not as much now, but I, I just remember that, that being very formative, that very early on experience. Enough to to where you know even today I'll find myself praying for freedom in the pulpit to be able to you know if the if the spirit's moving me to recall something uh, from God's word in addition to what I've prepared to be to have the freedom to be, I I can I can preach that too uh, I can preach that that addition coming from God's word and and being you know seeing that 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 would be helpful to the people as I'm I'm seeing their responses uh, but that's. Yeah, that's 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 one thing that I've found difficult uh, again because some of those formative experiences I had early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that's good thank you thank you for those thoughts i'm gonna uh just unilaterally make a decision to skip (laughs) our fourth question to respect your time um but if there's anything you would like to say about the fourth question that we sent you totally feel free to do that we'll we'll sit here all day um but if you could just what are some things um that our listeners could be praying for you and for the Shawnee congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, um, yeah, we, we have a a woman in the congregation who's had returning brain tumors. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's maybe the first thing I'd, I'd ask for prayer for, for April. Um, and then also pray for our elders. Uh, we've, it does seem that we've had some, uh, several, uh, issues come up. Uh, uh, one was recently diagnosed with MS. Um, another has some personal health issues. Another's uh, leaving today to travel to the UK, uh, which mm. I'm sure will be fun. Um, uh, praying for him and his travels. Um, we do have some, you know, as every church does, have some discipline issues before us. Uh, so, you know, pray for us that we have unity, refreshment, in the midst of those things. Um, uh, we have several visitors as well. Uh, uh, pray that they'd be enfolded. We're going to have a church information study offered soon. Uh, you know, pray for us to be able to uh, encourage them and welcome them. And also pray for our our young people to embrace the faith and to to be growing in their their Christian conviction. So those those would be ways I would I would ask for prayer for our congregation. Sure. sure. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, all righty. Before we end, it is time for the mystery theological question uh, that we always like to end with. And this will wrap up our uh, our asking of this particular question as we seek to finally settle the issue of the future of national Israel. And so essentially what we want to know is what does Joe Allen think about Romans chapter 11? Uh, What's going on with all Israel there? Is Paul prophesying about a future mass conversion of ethnic Jews and Israel as a corporate nation, even though it may not be every single Jew, but uh, can we expect a future mass conversion of ethnic Israel or is all Israel there more referring to just the ingathering of all of the elect of Israel over the gospel age? Or is it some combination of, of the elect of Israel combined with uh, the the elect Gentiles to form a spiritual Israel? What's going on there in Romans chapter 11? Yeah, um, I should have anticipated this question given that you've been asking it all month. <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> since it's the last day of the month, uh, uh-huh. you know, if you're, you're going to give me a a, a curveball. Um, you know, it, it reminds me uh, when I was in Wichita, I had a neighbor who invited me to go to a a function at her friend's church. It was it was the mega church in town, and uh, for some reason, the pastor had really, really tried to get his congregation to beat the bushes and invite everybody they knew to come to this particular event. And I I was I was thinking, oh boy, this is going to be some kind of gospel crusade or something, you know, they're, they're going to really try to hammer home, you know, Jesus uh, and, 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 uh, and you need to repent and believe in him, but no, no, it was, they were having a, a civil servant from the modern state of Israel come and talk about, about Israel. Hmm. And they had a number of uh, rabbis from the local synagogues leading prayers and they, 
they didn't mention Jesus <laughs> hardly at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember thinking what (laughs) what a waste of time if you're gonna if you're gonna invite people and tell the you know this is the real important thing that you're gonna do tell them the gospel Mm -hmm. and i I just kind of came from that just kind of mystified what's going on here at the same time i was preaching through revelation and uh revelation 3 uh is christ's letter to the uh to philadelphia uh the the church in philadelphia and what's amazing about that is that Christ is taking language and the, including some passages that you know that that mega church had used that night to say that we need to be we need to be supporting Israel we need to be praying for Israel we need to be grabbing onto the coattails of or the you know the the the, the garment of, of Israel and telling you know telling them tell us about their God Jesus uses it backwards mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or rather they're using it backwards Jesus Jesus is saying uh, that there are Jews. Uh, who are actually of a synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are those that are unbelievers. And what they need to do is they need to come down and bow before the Christians. And so take passages like Isaiah 45, uh, 14, 49, 23, 60, 14, which talk about Gentiles coming to Israel. It's actually the way that Jesus is applying it. Is he's saying unbelieving Israel is going to come to believing Gentiles, believing nations and bow down before them. Uh, or or take Isaiah 22, the key of David. Um, you know, the, these are passages that Christ applies to the church. And so that 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 has been real formative in my understanding and expectation of what what should we expect of of Israel is that I, I'm hesitant uh, to to say that there are there are specific plans for ethnic Israel. But there, there are there is expectation that because they've become unbelievers, because they've come become like all the other nations, uh, that the gospel going out to every nation does have significance for them. They can be grafted back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can uh, they can be uh, uh, given that salvation, but it's only in this way in in repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. And so, so I I don't I don't necessarily at this point in time. Um, hold forth a a mass conversion of of, of ethnic Israel. Um, I don't I don't think in my expectations of you know what should we be programming our our church to be around as far as you know do we need a specific mission to to ethnic Israelites because we want to hasten the coming. I I don't see that as as a as a as an expectation. We want to reach all the nations and and sadly unbelieving Israel is is as one of them. And so what we want to be doing is is preaching the gospel and and yeah across across time many many who are of ethnic Israel have repented and believed they believed in the the savior that uh, that they had re- that you know had been rejected uh, by by the, the 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 Jewish leaders in the first century um, and that's you know we see that in time and space um, but I I'm I guess I'm not particularly anticipating that that's going to as an eschatological eschatological category that that's going to happen particularly for that people but i am i am expect, expecting that the gospel is going to have success among all the nations including mm-hmm. that being one of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right well we're 50 50 i guess with I was that answer. Say we've succeeded so. in not answering the question <laughs> and settling the debate no that's yeah. good thank that, you that's uh that's interesting that 
it's the one time that I, I give an answer and then I've succeeded in not settling that. <laughs> that means my wasn't as helpful, but no, it was good. It was, yeah, just two and two. Our first two guys were yes, mass conversion, and now our last two are uh, not not denying that it could happen, but not convinced that it's absolutely going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been another episode of the Blue Banter podcast, an anthology of pastoral theology. Our guest has been Joe Allen, one of the pastors there in Shawnee RP Church in Shawnee, Kansas. So, uh, Joe, thank you so much for being our guest uh, this afternoon. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been uh, great to have you. A number of you have mentioned that you wish the podcast were on Spotify or Amazon Music. And I have good news to tell you, after slaving for hours to try and get it, these episodes posted on Spotify and Amazon. You can now find the podcast there. So if wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing that podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or whatever podcast catcher you use, that would be fantastic. You could share this episode on social media. If you have a question you'd like us to ask the pastors we have on this podcast, or you would like to suggest that we have your pastor on the podcast, you can email us at bluebanterpodcast at gmail.com bluebanterpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, whether you eat, drink, or banter, do all to the glory of God.